0: I think I turned it on. So thanks for being here. We're certainly grateful for you and for our time together. This is a time that the Lord has set aside for us to share this evening with each other and to remind us of what I have entitled the message this evening, that the church is going to be and is victorious we, I, I'm still thinking about the, the time of complaining, the time of looking at our small crowd here or our small crowd as we came, Minnie and I came. There was one, two, three churches that we saw or that I saw, I don't know if she saw them or not, on our way here that don't have Sunday night anymore. And there are more than that in our association that I'm aware of that they're doing, some are doing two morning services and no evening services, some are only doing one evening. But I believe that that God's church is going to be and is on the road to victory uh, because of the fact that we are His. In Colossians, if you have your Bibles, turn to Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to bring up some scriptures in chapter 3 and 4. I'm not going to try to read both both of those. But in these uh, uh, in these two chapters, Paul is emphasizing what Christians should do, and he spells out the principles of Christian living, how we should live out our Christianity. Uh, in these two chapters, he clearly spells out our pattern, toward, uh, that the pattern we should follow toward the believer. He also reminds us how to live our life out in a, in a pattern to the unbeliever, And I am convinced that the church is victorious only to the degree that each Christian experiences victory in his or her own life. A defeated Christian don't look full of joy and don't look, as as I've shared with you all this evening and this morning, you know, you can look at the countenance of person and, and come to the conclusion that they're not defeated. They may be down, they may be down. But defeated Christians constitutes defeated churches. Uh, Victorious Christians constitute a victorious church. And we don't have to have a house full. Victorious Christians are contagious. But so is those defeated Christians. That can be contagious, particularly to the unbeliever and those that aren't really solid in their convictions. I believe that if we follow the pattern that Paul has laid out in in Colossians chapter 3 and chapter 4, if we, we follow that, I believe that we can see our more and more of our churches and more and more of us personally living <clears throat> the victorious life. Because as we sing that song, victory in Jesus, you know, uh, and I, Sometimes I wonder if we, as we sing that, if he don't look out and say, "You're not acting like you're at victory in Jesus. You're you're playing it out as if you are feeling defeated." And if you look back at his life, who had, how many of us have been treated as he was treated, particularly in the third, three years of his life, and particularly toward the end of that, when he was standing up on the mount and looking over Jerusalem, and he wept, and he said, you know, I would have gathered you like a hen gathers her chicks under my wing, but you would not. And he knew where he was going, and he knew what was going to happen there when he got there. He was going into Jerusalem for the last time, but yet he went, and that's what we must do. One day, we're going to go through South Clinton, uh, and Clinton, and Lake City, and and all of the area where we live, where all of us live, we're going to go through there for the last time, sometime. And as we go, though, we're, we're healthy. Let others see Jesus in us. Let them see that we're living out what we actually believe. And, and there's a pattern, as I've said, there's a pattern for personal behavior. If you look in Colossians chapter 3, and verse uh, uh 1 through 4, look, look at what Paul says to this church, what, what the Christians should do. Uh, he said, If ye then, being risen with Christ, be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, which Christ sitteth, uh, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. And then he tells them, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, he names a whole bunch of things there. And then in verse 6 he says, For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience in which time you also walk sometimes uh, uh, when you live in them. So what he's saying here is there is a pattern for living out who we are. But there's also a pattern that he talks about in the next few verses of our being sometimes tempted to live out the pattern where people doesn't see in us the Christ, as I shared this morning. And and I, I think I shared the, the comment that is, new, is not new with me. And I didn't coin the phrase, you know, speak, uh, preach the word and if, necess- if necessary, preach the gospel. And if necessary, use words. You know, let your life preach your gospel. Let it let, preach so that people will say to you, you're different. What? Tell me why you're so different. Why don't you get upset easily? And we can share with them. So preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. And I think what Paul is saying here, if you be risen in Christ, think about the things above and let your life betray who you are. It will, whether we let it or not, either positively or negatively. But when I say let your life, I'm talking about we who are children of God that we let our lives speak for us. And speak about God. That's my prayer for myself. You know. I, I just want people to. Look at me. And see my behavior. And know. And I know that I'm a child of God. And I believe if we do that. God will somehow open up the door. To the lost people. That we can share with them. I have been asked the question before. Why are you like you are? And I can say, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you. It's not me. I'm just an old sinful person. But let me tell you what happened to me a long time ago. And let me tell you, you can do that as well. You can just surrender yourself to God. And folks, I think I probably said it. I've said it everywhere I go, and I probably said it this morning. We don't have to pray a big old long prayer for someone. I believe the moment... I don't think I had said anything when I knew the fact that God came into my heart. Kind of like my dad. My dad said he was in a revival meeting. Uh, I don't remember the church where he said he was. And he was sitting on the back pew. And, and he, he came to the altar. People in those days would go back and talk to you. You remember those revival times? And, and he said, I went to the altar uh, three nights in a row and nothing. And he said, I was sitting back there. On that fourth night, and no one had come, and no one had done anything, but God had convicted him such. He said, I stepped up, and I stepped out into the aisle, and when I stepped out in the aisle, I knew at that moment God saved me, and I just went up there to tell the preacher what happened to me. He didn't have to pray through. He just said, Tom, I stepped out, and I knew instantly that God just came into my heart, and it's that simple, folks. And And the people out in the world need to know that, and they don't have to i 've had them tell me when I can quit this or that or the other, then I will accept him. God wants you just like you are He'll do the cleaning, okay so come I tell people, come to God warts and all, you know, and let him clean up the warts uh, and thank God for that one time i was uh, I was asked by my my uh a granddaughter, who is an RN, and, and probably by Christmas is going to be a, a nurse practitioner. She's about to finish up. But anyway, she called me one day, and she worked with a, a black nurse with her, and, and she said to me, uh, the nurse said, do you know anybody that would go talk to my brother? So he's been beat up real bad in, in, in the hospital, and, and he's at UT. Do you know anybody? She said, yeah, I do. My papa will. So she called me, and I immediately got in my truck, and I went to UT Hospital. And I went up there, and I went in, and I talked to, to this young man. His dad was sitting in a chair, and, uh, and but he was able to talk to me and, and understood who I was. And when I got around, finally got my nerve up and was, was able to ask him, are you a Christian? And his response to me was, I'm a Muslim. I said, that's Okay. God can save Muslims too, you know, and I I said, well, then would you, I went on to say that, okay, you're a Muslim, but would you mind if I told you how you can get from where you are to where Jesus is? He said, that'd be all right. And I told him the story, you know, how Jesus came and all the things about that. There was a nurse came to the door, uh, and I saw her out of the corner of my eye. And I figured, well, she's got something. And I turned, and she was standing there a little while before I turned. And I turned and looked at her, and I said, do you have something for for this man? You need to see him. She said, yes, I have his medication, but he needs what you got more than he needs what I got right now. You go right ahead. I'll be back. But she never left. She stood right there at that door all the time they were there. And we got to the point, and I asked him if I could pray with him, and he said, yes, you can And I prayed with him and when I got through I asked him, are you willing to give your heart to Jesus? And he said no, but I appreciate your coming, I appreciate your sharing. And his dad then chimed in and said I'm a Christian and continued to pray. I don't know if he ever accepted Christ or not, but I went and I shared Jesus to who confessed to be a Muslim. God can save the Muslims and the radicals and whoever. And I I think that's what what he's talking about here, what what Christians should do, we should not pull, get in a hole, and pull the dirt in on top of us and hibernate. We need to let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord act like it. Let the redeemed of the Lord sing like it. Some of you, <laughs> you know, as I said, I the redeemed. He, he missed me with that. But anyway, we need to. To think about some things we can put on, love and charity and long suffering and all these kinds of things. And then he says there's some things that we need to put off in verse number eight. Then put off anger, wrath, blasphemy, filthy communications out of your mouth. Lie not one to another. Seeing that verse eight, verse nine rather, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and hath put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Then where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond, uh, nor free, but Christ in all and is all and in all. Who Who in our world, who in our universe is too bad that God can't and doesn't want to save? And I say nobody because Jesus died for all. I don't agree with all the political ramifications that's going on in our world and particularly in our country. I never thought I would see us turn our back on God and on the principles of his word that I have seen in recent days. They're doing things that are legal that I think are in violation of God's Word. And I hope and pray that I have the strength to stand when they try to force us Christians to participate in those kinds of activities. And that may come. But, my friends, we have to love those people to the point that they ask us, "What? Why? Why do you do that? Well, let me tell you why. It's not in me to love you that way. It's in me to get even. But that which is in me is bigger than me and you, and he loves you enough to die for you. You know? And, and I think that's the message we need to, to, uh, to carry on. Now, if you look at verse 13 and following, we he tells us we need to get dressed upright, put on some new clothing, forbearing one another in verse 13, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against Any, even as Christ forgave you, so do ye also. uh, So also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfection, perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your heart, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all. Now listen listen to this. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. So what is He saying to us? Get along with each other. Forbear with each other. Don't get angry but forbear and forgive and love seek peace in all things with whoever they are and and I think this is a pattern a pattern for personal behavior in, in these scriptures that I'm talking to you about I've just covered some issues that uh, in my outline here and I'm not paid a whole lot of attention to it, but a pattern for family living is right here in, in chapters 3 and 4, and a pattern for employee to employer. If I work for someone, I shouldn't cheat that person. If I if he pays me for an hour's l- labor, then I should work an hour's labor. If he gives me a break, then that's okay. If he tells me I, I get a 30-minute lunch or an hour lunch, that's okay, but we, sh- we should should have a pattern to our employer that he knows there's something different in my life. If I work for him, I ought to work for him. Christians does not, Christianity rather, does not offer an escape from hard work. Rather, it makes a man or woman able to work hard. the employer, or the employee rather, must do everything as if he were doing it for Christ. Because somebody with the company that you work for or even if you're self-employed, the work that you do out there for someone else, they are observing you and me. They're seeing us. And wouldn't it be great when they see us an electrician wiring their house or fixing some the air conditioner or doing the heating system wouldn't it be great that after we get through they look at us and say you're a Christian aren't you that we've done something that betrayed who we are in a positive way you know in relationship to God man it displeases me when I get asked that that question that, that comment you're a Christian aren't you you know, and I'm always willing to say yes. We s I'm I'm a I am amazed sometimes when I'm so nervous about confronting someone that they will open that door for me or God will cause them to open the door that I can walk through unafraid or with with my nerves kinda calmed down. And and I do get that. I, I do get sometimes nervous about that Primarily because I understand or try to understand the significance of what I'm about to do. And I don't want to blow it. <laughs> you know, I don't want to cause that person to uh, sense in me I really don't believe what I'm saying or sense in me that I'm trying to force an issue on them that they may not necessarily agree with. But we need to be wise in our behavior. Toward the non-Christian. We need to make the best possible use of our time. We need to speak pleasantly to the non-Christian and the Christian. And we need to learn how to give a proper answer to every question asked. Now, we may have to say to them, and I've done this. I'll have to get back with you with that. i got to go look at the scriptures. There's nothing wrong with that. It's better than telling them something wrong and say, or if you got time and you got your Bible, let me find that. Let me look that up for you. Let me see if I can locate what you're talking about. I know it's there. I just can't bring it to my forehead. So let me, let me hasten on and, and just say that I ask that you, why don't you just read chapters 3 and, and 4 uh, of your home devotions this week? In fact, start with chapter one if you like and if God continues to lead lead all the read all of uh, of Colossians it's not a very long book it has spoke clearly to me I think there's only five chapters it's very clearly to me it tells masters how to to deal with their their servants it tells servants how to deal with their masters uh, and it also says in verse two of of chapter 4 and following. Let me, let me read that. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. With all praying also for us. That God would open unto us a door. Now this is Paul writing. A door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ. For which I am also in bonds. That I may make it manifest as I ought to speak walking in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Now listen, verse 6. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how you ought to answer every man. And I've, I've run into some in my ministry, some, some that just stump me sometimes. You know, and you, you have to think about how am I going to respond to this? What do I need to say? So let me conclude by, by giving you not only the assignment to read Colossians and, and particularly chapter 3 and 4, but I want you to put a note somewhere. Uh, look at the verse 28. Uh, the, no, it's not verse 28. I'll call you anyway. Colossians 1, 28, I think it is. Let me look at 28 and see if that's what I'm thinking about. Yeah, there it is. It says and he talks about talking about whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that you, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. That we—that's what we need to do. We need to lead people that they can approach Christ and and speak to Him on behalf of their sins or their sinful life, and the response can come like from the throne of God. What sins are you talking about? When they're under blood, He says, "I'll remember them against you no more." What sin are you talking about? And 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 our lost friends and and some of them that are out there in the world doing mean things, God still loves them, and they can still be saved. And we need to pray that we'll be a part of that. So what are we to do? Number one, pray for the church. Pray for this church. Number two, acknowledge the one who is the power of our church and our lives. And it is not us. And, it is, and as much as I love Brother Roger and the deacons and the teachers of this church, it is not them, it is God. That's the power. Working through people like Brother Roger, Brother I, and all of you who are here. Thank the Lord for that. We need to avoid. Now listen, uh, South Clinton. We need to avoid the pearl that, that we are defeated. The, the idea that we are a defeated church. Or God is being defeated in our world. God is not being, and our church isn't. I said it this morning, I say it again tonight, we win. But I want more people to be winners. While we're here, we need to do that. And then, as you read this chapter, I want you to think about what is the pattern God is setting forth for his church through Paul to the church at Colossae. Read that and think about that. Think about those things. Pray for your church every day. Pray and acknowledge where the power comes from. Power comes from God. Avoid a defeatist attitude. I have to work on that. Okay, I'll be honest with you. I have to work on that. Randy Davis tells us, tells us DOMs, and Roger's probably got this message, that 80% of the churches in the Tennessee Baptist Convention are plateaued or declining. Now, I've added a little Tom version to that, that those 20% that appear to be growing are growing, many of them, at the expense of those who are declining and people out here in the street dying and going to hell. I want to see South Clinton grow but I don't want to see South Clinton grow at the expense of First Baptist Clinton or Second Baptist Clinton. I want to see South Clinton grow because you've reached out in this community to the unchurched and they come or wherever they may be. Because we aren't advancing God's kingdom when we're in memberships around, are we? That's <laughs> just, you know. And, and by the way, there are times that we may need to relocate because God has something for you to do there. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, I've done that. Some of you have done that, and that's okay. Okay, you know, I've back and forth a few times, but God used me, had a purpose for, for doing that. So think about those kinds of things. As you study this, you know, again, avoid the, the defeatist attitude, and then I said it already, and I'll say it again. Follow the pattern that God has set forth for the church. There is no better. We can write our constitutions, we can, and we should. Legally, we have to do those things. We have to have a constitution. We have to have all of our bylaws in order and all that stuff. But God set the pattern. We can do all that legal stuff, and that's okay. God's not impressed with the legality of it. He's impressed with a servant that loves him and loves his church and loves his work. And he set the pattern for us to do that. And I personally don't think we can improve on it. You know, I think it's right there in his word. And I don't, I don't get, now some of my pastors would get upset if, if I went and didn't, that's why I read the King James. Some of them don't believe there's any other Bible except the King James. I personally don't believe that. I believe there are other good translations that can open up more than, than we can, than, than the King James does There's words there that the meanings have changed, and I don't have a problem with that. I've got some pastors that if I got in the pulpit with something other than the King James, so pray for me, then I'd be in a heap of trouble with that pastor. I don't want the devil to use that to close the door of opportunity to reach a lost person. But I have never led anyone to Christ speaking In the King's language. Because I don't speak the King's language very well. I read from the King James. I read a while ago. But you haven't heard me speak. (laughs) Using that terminology. That ETH's and all these things that are there. Nothing wrong with that. I love this Bible. But I love the one you use too. I was impressed in the Sunday school class this morning. uh, Of the different translations. That brought brought a scripture. uh, The the message out. Very clearly. And, And. and sometimes more clearly than the King James does. So don't get hung up on translations. Get hung up on the author. <laughs> okay? You well pray with me. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for letting us serve you with our hearts and our